Welcome to Chip Chat Conversations in the Cloud, a podcast series focused on Intel Select Solutions, a suite of verified solution configurations that can help IT teams meet the demanding needs of a growing infrastructure. Here's your host, Jake Smith. Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, wherever you may be in the world. My name is Jake Smith, Director of Data Center Technologies, and I'm joined today by Jeff Denworth, co-founder and VP of Vast Data. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Jake. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you as well. Jeff, you know, I've been around a long time, but I always find it very exciting when I have a founder or a co-founder on a call. Founding a company is a little bit different than everything else you can do in this industry, having founded a couple, but found a career at Intel. Tell me, what made you want to found Vast Data and how is it going? So this is probably, I would say, maybe my fourth startup. And, you know, for the first three, I found the same pathology as I'd get there a little bit late. A lot of the decisions were made already. And I found myself kind of just like stewing in some of the bad decisions that people before me made that were usually very difficult to change because they were like inherent to the company. So I figured if I'm going to sit in somebody's bad decisions, they better be mine. And uh, <laughs> I love it. And so I knew that I needed to be in at the earliest days in order to kind of see the vision that I had for building companies. That's outstanding. So talk a little bit about Vast Data. You know, you said it's your fourth startup, but mm -hmm. Vast's a little bit different and you guys are in a very unique space. Yeah, so we are a storage company and this is, I would say by all measures, probably the most successful endeavor that I've had so far in my career. The reason that Vast is this hot company now in the space is a simple one is that you know, if you think about the whole landscape of storage technologies and storage vendors that are bringing products out to market right now, particularly with flash solutions, you've got everybody that's focused on speed at any cost. And everybody talks about things like performance density. It's like, how much can I get from this SSD? Vast took a different approach. And we kind of saw that there was a bigger problem going on in the market where everybody was talking about the all-flash data center and this and that. And everybody that was doing those conversations would still take all of their long-term data or all their really big data sets and throw it onto hard drives. And so we realized that unless you solve the cost problem, then it's all just going to be marketing hype and the customers will still suffer under the weight of mechanical media. So the rest of the market is focused on performance and performance density. We just care about cost and everything we do every day is just to drive down the cost of flash ownership so people can buy it for all of their data. The real funny thing that happens is once you can afford to put all of your data on flash, it turns out you get a lot of performance too, because you've got like five to 10 times more flash than you would have bought before. Oops. Oops. <laughs> I made my data center all silicon. Uh-oh. Yeah. So it's been an awesome ride. We're now going into our fifth year. We started selling the product at the end of 2018 and have established ourselves as the fastest growing storage company in history since that time. Go team. That's fantastic. That's not easy to do, my friend. I've been in the storage business since 96. That is not easy to do. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. We took the first year revenue of a lot of the different kind of storage companies that we really admire. These are companies like Pure Storage and Nutanix and Isilon and Data Domain. We added up all their first year revenue. And last year, which was our first year, we sold more than all of them combined. So we feel like we're onto something really special here. And it should be said that a lot of that is because of a lot of the technologies that we work with that come from Intel. 
Well, that's very kind of you, but uh, you know, reality is Jeff, we began working on software defined storage and those technologies that you guys are leading in over a decade ago. And it takes a long time, as you know, as a founder, it takes a long time to build a company. It takes a while to build a product. It takes a while to build the process and the people and the customer base to trust you. And you guys have done that now. One of the things I'm proud of is that you guys just launched, and I like to say they call me the granddaddy of the brand, which I'm not a grandfather. Thank that's, God. A, that's called a brand daddy, by the way. <laughs> a brand daddy is the way. <laughs> I'm going to take that. Thank you. <laughs> Jeff Denworth said it's a brand daddy, and I own that one. I love it. So uh, Intel Select Solutions, Vast Data just launched their first Intel Solutions, hopefully the first of many to come in June. Very exciting. In the middle of COVID, this is what's so impressive. I mean, our teams came together. They just worked their butts off to get this done. So the COVID thing is actually an interesting dimension that I didn't even think about until you just said it. As you mentioned, we're working on a number of different select solutions. The first one that is hitting, though, is our select solution for life science. And how are we going to get out of this like big mess that the world is in right now? It's life science. So we have this proven solution set for genomics. And, you know, if you combine all these like, you know, really high performance algorithms on top of Intel processors, and then you feed them with vast data infrastructure, it turns out that you can process genomes way faster than you could in the past. So that's the first one that we started working with on Intel. We made a little bit of a press release about it not so long ago, and we have probably delivered at least a few dozen petabytes right now to the life sciences market. You know, a lot of those systems now are being used for COVID research. Which is what we want them to be doing right now, if we can. And it's great that you built the architecture to do it. I don't think people understand that without the vast software architecture, none of this is possible. We've been cobbling together hardware bricks for a lot of years, but your software is uniquely positioned. Can you give our listeners a little deeper understanding of how you architected the software and why you architected it the way you have? So when we started... As I mentioned, we had this idea that in order to slay the hard drive dragon, you had to focus on cost. And so we basically started from what's the cost point we want to hit, and we worked backwards from there. And here we saw a few technologies on the horizon that weren't really available when we started the company, but they were close enough where we could make a bunch of calculated bets on them. We bet on a new storage protocol called NVMe over Fabrics that basically gives you the experience of having like an NVMe drive attached to your CPU, even though that drive might be on the other side of the network. And so with NVMe over Fabrics, what we realized is we could take a storage cluster and we could disaggregate it. We could have CPUs running on one side of the data center. And oh, by the way, those could all be in containers. And on the other side of the data center, you could organize really high density pools of storage all NVMe based that you could use to basically feed a data center. So then we had to select a type of flash. And here we wanted to go towards where the manufacturing economy was greatest. And what we saw was that QLC flash was just over the horizon. QLC stands for quad level cell. It's basically four bits in a flash device. And whereas it's definitely the most affordable way to manufacture flash because it's the densest and the newest generation of flash, there's a variety of problems why people can't use it. And typically that relates to the amount of overwrites that you can issue to these drives, coupled with the fact that internally, there's like a block size that's over a thousand times larger than most storage systems have ever expected to write it. So how do you deal with that problem? We realized that we can get like 20 times more endurance out of QLC drives if we just give the drives a little bit of relief by organizing really large blocks and then writing them into what we call erasure code stripes or data protection stripes, 
taking advantage of the fact that as a storage system, we can see what the applications are trying to do. So, you know, if you've got some short-term data, we put those in a short-term data protection stripe. If you get some long-term data, we put that in an archive data protection stripe. And never do we have to move data around to like handle deletions or anything like that because everything's laid down perfectly. And the technology that comes into play here is Intel 3D Crosspoint SSD technology. Otherwise known as Optane. Yes, you are the poster child for Optane. Right, right. So we made a huge bet on Optane and there's so many advantages that we get for this. Actually, a large auto company just the other day said, I want a slide just for all the things that Optane enables for you all. We use Optane both as a write buffer that allows us to kind of organize data before it goes down into flash. So we write to this QLC flash perfectly. We can get 10 years of endurance out of these flash drives. Can you repeat that? I want our listeners to actually really understand what that means, because that is write every day, not write once a century, write every day. Yep. So there's actually some philosophy in play here. So we get 10 years of longevity from QLC flash drives that other storage vendors can't even use these drives for maybe even a year's time. But the philosophy comes in when you start to think about bringing the economics to a point where you can now afford flash, not just for your database data, not just for your transactional data, but for all of your data. In Vast, we built this distributed system that can scale to exabytes. And so once you start buying exabyte scale or petabyte scale flash, what customers find is that they're no longer just putting their hottest data sets on it, they're putting everything on it. And then you can start to spread the wear that happens from your applications across all of your investment. We use the phrase internally, endurance is amortized. So it's kind of like this virtuous circle that gets created by putting all of your data into a system, you can use really low cost flash. And by using low cost flash, you can afford to put all of your data in the system. So yeah, Optane technology is critical for us, both in terms of making use of these QLC drives and deploying them for up to 10 years, but also, as I mentioned, we've kind of disaggregated the system. And now we have this like centralized store of Optane SSDs that allow us to build some new interesting global algorithms. The big one is around what we call similarity-based global data reduction. You can think of it as, in essence, being able to compress up all of your data in your data center into one global namespace. Like if you were just to go and zip your data center up into one big zip file, that's kind of the same gains that you should expect to get from us. Wow. So customers are finding that it's just way more data reduction than any technology that they've ever encountered. And that just helps with the cost of acquisition arguments. Outstanding. Well, you know, we've recognized Vast as Intel Innovation Partner of the Year for 2020. So thank you. I think it's a big deal. And I think it's a testament, Jeff, to your team, your work, your commitment to this space, because the technology itself, as you said, you made some guesses, you made some bets, you bet right, but you wrote great software and you thought philosophically about the way people should be storing their data for a decade or more, because we now know that data has a 25-year life cycle if it's managed correctly. And you've built the architecture to be able to manage it correctly. How does vast move into this new world of artificial intelligence. Talk about some of the work that we're doing there. Philosophically, you guys are thinking through so thoughtfully the way the next generation of storage should be managed. And you also have some insight into where storage is going. So could you give our listeners a a peek into the mind of Jeff and his team? Sure. So let's get back to the founder story. It always helps when you're founding a company to kind of 
hinge a new technology against a market event that will basically drive the need or the adoption of that new type of technology. And we got in the time machine and we went back to the history of shared storage, the history of file or object storage. And, you know, in the early days of NAS systems, what you had was like open computing that was a thing and that drove some of the leading NAS systems. And then when scale out NAS became a thing, what we observed is things like the iPhone and Web 2.0 drove the adoption of these types of technologies because people were dealing with way more content than they ever expected. And for Vast, actually, we went and looked at some work that was done by a gentleman by the name of Jeffrey Dean, who was previously in the Google infrastructure team, one of the early authors of the Google file system, Mm -hmm. and then was tasked with going into the Google Brain project. And here, what his value was to that team was to show them that by opening up just huge pipes into large amounts of data, you could dramatically increase the accuracy and the efficiency of these new AI algorithms. And so if you step back in time and you go back to the report that Gartner wrote 30 years ago saying, tier your largest data sets and your slowest and cheapest storage. Well, today in 2020, it's kind of like you want the opposite of that. There's more value in a larger data set than there is in a small amount of data because you can get to better statistical or AI accuracy. Correct. But Gartner was trying to save people money. But anyway, keep going. Sure. No, no. (laughs) That was like half their value, right? But you also didn't have algorithms that needed to or even could conceive of processing all that data. And, you know, now you're in the multi-core era where people can just throw so much computing against these data sets and you can find so much more correlation. You can find all these opportunities to add AI to everyone. So that was the trigger. We said, okay, we could actually build a business by first building a system that kind of turned that pyramid up on its head and provided affordable, fast access to really large data sets. And then the second thing was, okay, how do you present the storage system in a way that applications can most consume it? You know, when you're starting with an idea, which is flash for the cost of hard drives, that could be anything. That could be a data lake product. That could be hyper-converged. We could have made it anything. And we made a decision to present this as a file system and an object storage system, because here we saw the most potential for supporting both legacy applications, customers that have these like large data sets and they want to move them to new storage, but they don't want to change the way they're accessing them from their legacy systems. Mm-hmm. Because those systems still need to do their job. But at the same time, they want new AI applications to also access this data. So we think of ourselves as this bridge where you don't have to change your applications. You don't have to do anything like that. It's just modern infrastructure that you could think of as a data platform that allows you to onboard your legacy applications and also expose that data to AI algorithms. You're providing gravity for your customers. You're giving the data gravity because that data is stuck. It's on an island today. And if you can upgrade it and you can bring it to modern hardware with modern software, apply new algorithms, you can actually mine it for something. One of the things that we found, and we've done this analysis for years, is 92 to 95% of all the data that corporations require, they don't even sift through it. They're lifting it, they're recording it, and they can't sift through it because they say they don't have time. But you guys are building philosophically from the beginning a company that's going to be able to sift for your customers. That's right. Yeah, in essence, it's giving people time. It's like an infinite time machine. Yeah, that's pretty remarkable. 
So talk about AI from your perspective, because, you know, philosophically, you guys started at that point, you founded a company, but talk about where you think it's going, socially and technologically, if you would. So let's talk about technologically first. I think that's the easier one than the social topic. So the early days of AI, which I think we're still kind of in the first inning, people are just trying to figure out what to do with this. And we observe essentially two things. The first is from a data access pattern perspective, it's almost always a slam dunk use case for flash infrastructure. Because even if I'm storing like a, a large video from an autonomous driving run or maybe a patient CT scan from a hospital, these pieces of data are getting cut into very small pieces that you can think of them as tiles and then being analyzed by neural networks. The size of data access goes down to a level that's almost impossible for a hard drive to deal with. And flash comes in as the easy button. But the data sets, as I mentioned earlier, are massive. So all these customers for the last couple of years have been scratching their heads trying to figure out a way to game the system and save money and not just buy expensive enterprise flash for everything. And so we come in and we say, okay, well, A, the algorithms are changing every day. And we have one customer that every month they have an entirely different data science agenda because they are racing to rule the world and they're throwing any kind of brain power at the problem that they can. And so everything changes. And the only constant is that they know that they need flash because they don't know what's going to happen next. Early on in their operation, they were tiering their data down to hard disk-based storage. And the data scientists would always complain because your performance would drop off by like a factor of 50x once you fell off that flash cliff. So that's the easy one for us. We're really excited to see the development of both different types of algorithms on all sorts of different dimensions, ranging from healthcare to manufacturing to national security. But at the same token, at the Silicon level, there's also a renaissance where you've got a lot of new interesting technologies coming out. So our strategy of building something that kind of goes right down the fairway we think is the right one from a social perspective, I think we've been kind of not really observing what's happening over the last number of years, but it's clear to me that AI is definitely taking over more and more of the standard everyday human tasks that people would otherwise have to do. And so the questions are, of course, and I'm not like being, you know, anywhere like revelational here, but what do we do once robots run the world and you don't need to actually do any work anymore? And I think, you know, the way that humans have evolved over the last, you know, thousands of years is that we always find something new and interesting to pioneer into. So once all the menial tasks are gone, what are we going to do? And I don't know the answer to that, but it's pretty exciting. You know, I, my kids are six, five and two, and I don't think I'm ever going to have to teach them to drive. I would hope not. I would truly hope not because I taught my kids to drive. They're a little bit older. They're all college age and it was terrifying. <laughs> Nobody should have ever given me a driver's license. Like, that's for sure. <laughs> that's fantastic. Well, hey, I really appreciate you being on the show today, Jeff. And where can our listeners find out more about Vast? You can find us at vastdata.com if you want to go the normal internet route or we have both Twitter and LinkedIn page if you want to catch us there. All sorts of interesting things to check out. We just completed a storage field day last week where we kind of took everybody through the evolution of storage architectures and AI. So some fun stuff to watch there. Well, you know, the future of the storage market is changing, 
right? And the supply chains and the supply lines are going to be challenged to meet the 175 zettabyte challenge of 2024. Ah, but there's actually something that people have not considered there. That was my question. Yeah, I love this question. And it's something that I thought a year about before I realized what maybe the right answer is. So it's a little bit technical, but when we started, we went to an industry analyst and we said, here's the idea, we're going to kill the hard drive. And at the end of the conversation, they said, oh, that's all very interesting, but you didn't consider one thing, which is like, there's nowhere near the flash supply in the market to achieve what you want to do. What we hadn't considered, and we started to put some better numbers around is A, flash, unlike hard drive-based storage, can let you get to a data reduction that's usually multiples of what people can get to hard drive. So now I don't need the same number of flash bits as I do hard drive bits. Got it. B, you can keep flash drives on the floor for 10 years as opposed to on average five years with hard drives. If you're lucky. If you're lucky. With fast, you can. <laughs> and C, if you no longer have to tier your infrastructure because everything's just on one big pool of flash, you have a lot less data copies across your environment such that these three things compound. And you know, is there enough flash for the world if the customer's just to snap their fingers today? Maybe not, but it's definitely not of the same proportions as you would need to cover with hard drives. Outstanding. Well, that's an amazing answer. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to have you on the show. On behalf of Intel, I'd like to thank co-founder and vice president of Vast Data, Jeff Denworth, for joining us. Wherever you may be, this is Jake Smith signing off. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night.